Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast forum with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show. Fernando Mendes, Viva Los Angelitos! We have a special guest here today. Why don't you introduce yourself? Well, what's up, everybody? This is Dominic Lorenz, formerly of Halos Heaven. Yes, if you followed us on online or on Twitter, that used to be us, but now that SB Nation cut us away and said adios, we're now creating our new blog site, Catella Chronicles. It covers the Angels and the Ducks. I'm the co-founder and editor as long as, or as well as we have four other contributors that will be Cole Bailey, David Goodkind, Taylor Array, and Ariana Evans. We are the Catella Chronicles and we talk Angels and Ducks and it's a pleasure and a privilege for me to be on with you guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, Dominique. Uh, and you know, this is cool about, you know, Catella Chronicles uh, merging the Angels and Ducks as aw- as awesome as it as that is. Sorry, the Ducks are on their way up, and they're you know they're young, they're youthful, they're going to be a uh, you know fun team to watch coming up here, and the off season when the Angels aren't playing, so that helps with the off season. So we see that little you know the Catella Chronicles, the street going between the two stadiums for those that don't know, but uh, Angels are playing great right now, and we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be focused on that today, Fernando. What are we going to get into on the show today? Well, we're going to probably talk about the fact that the Angels should have swept the A's. Yes. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of positive to take away from this series. And honestly, there's even some positive to take away from the loss. I mean, if we use a mulligan there on Rysel's inning, I mean, we're still talking about a great game. We're potentially talking about Anthony Rendon's best series of the season. I mean, I understand that's not too bold of a claim because he's had a pretty rough season with the stick so far. But uh, we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about the Rangers series, what's to come, the probable pitchers, and uh, a lot more. There you go. So my first question is, what happened on game one in Oakland? We're going to review that one, uh, unless you have any opening statements besides the introductions. I, I don't. Okay. Well, let's let, let's get started. To, let's get some meat and potatoes. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, let's talk game one of Oakland and Angels here. So uh, Chase uh, Silseth and then uh, was it Jeremy Jeffries? Yes. Or Dalton Jeffries. Dalton Jeffries of the Oakland A's. Uh, those two boys got the start. Silseth, uh, Silseth made his MLB debut. Six innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Uh, there's a lot to unpack with his start. Uh, he's the first pitcher from the uh, 20 pitchers drafted last season to make his major league debut. Of course, only 19 of them signed with the angels, but I don't think any of us would have predicted that he would have been the first one to make their angels debut. Right. Uh, Did anybody have chase on their bingo card? If I did, I'd be going to Vegas and trying to get a million bucks at this point. Like Silseth, good kid, but who knew? Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is a guy that, we were under the impression of maybe uh, Bachman or, you know, uh, another pitcher, uh, Bush. Kai Bush. Kai Bush. Um, but but no, he steamrolled through the minors, and he caught the eye of of, uh, of everyone, including Perry, and they were like, give this dude a shot. And so 
as Angels fans, I want to ask you, Dominique, since you're new to the show and your opinion on this, given the last few years where the rotation's been bargain basement at best, no really good guys coming through the system, uh, to see what Perry has done in just a little bit of time and to see a pitcher that we just drafted last year come with the stuff that he's got, how impressed were you with not only him but Jonathan Diaz as well? You know, I think we need to take a moment here and give a round of applause for Perry Manassian. He's the first GM in recent, you know, 10-year GMs to say he's going to address the pitching, and then he actually does address the pitching. Come on, last year, 20 draft picks, 19 college pitchers, one high school pitcher. And now they're going to the Perry School of Pitching, and look (laughs) at what the Angels are doing right now. you got Jonathan Diaz, who has now pitched two great games for the Angels, and so Seth Delover. Can you not tell me that splitter looked downright nasty Friday night against Oakland? Yep. That thing had no We're talking Otani caliber. You're talking Otani, and he's flashing, you know, mid-90s fastball, which I know in the era of baseball we are living in right now, it's, it's velocity or nothing. If you're not throwing above 97, 98, they really don't look at you. Even though Silseth doesn't throw, you know, those flame-throwing 100-mile-an-hour pitches, he's a dynamic arm. We have Bachman, we have Bush. And even there's a lot of guys lower in the system, you know, Tri-City, Inland Empire, that are getting the job done. So I think I like, not like, I love what Perry Manassian has done with this rotation. I know we'll probably talk about the rest of the Angels rotation mm-hmm. here in the podcast. But Sil Seth, if, if that's what we're getting from this recent crop of draftees, whew, I'm liking where the Angels are going. This could be a team in the future, if not in the present present future if that's even a phrase these days (laughs) that this could be a pitching franchise and then with the offense that the angels have trout otani when rendon's hot walsh this is a deadly organization in the near future i'm telling you that right now great take great take love that love that guy this is a guy who's barely old enough to drink just to put (laughs) it in perspective this guy is 21 years old and is Pitching with the best of them. He had confidence for a guy making his major league debut. It's not even the fact that it was his major league debut. This was really one of his first professional appearances, right? I mean, he, he didn't have very much seasoning mm-hmm. down there in Rocket City. It's Five not like games. we're talking about a whole year. Exactly. We're not talking about a full year of seasoning down there. We're talking about barely over a month of seasoning down there, a month worth of games at least. And he came up here and he looked confident. I don't care if this is a depleted, watered-down version of the athletics. This is still a guy making his major league debut. There's butterflies involved with that, right? Mm -hmm. You're playing in a huge stadium with nobody in it. That's also (laughs) got to be nerve-wracking. So the fact that he was able to... 13,000 fans were in Oakland. That's like yeah, 10, 11,000. <laughs> that's 10 or 11,000 more than they had two weeks ago against Tampa Bay. You know, there's, there's yeah. triple A teams that are selling out over Oakland. Let's, let's put that yeah. in hey, perspective. Adam the Woo was there. Adam the Woo was there. Who else do you need at the game? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, uh, Chase looked great. He looked really good. He looked comfortable. I really liked what I saw. Um, hey, and you, you can't impress everybody. You saw how the question of the day was, Todd. You saw the response we got there. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, for, Fernando put up a question of the day. Who was more impressive, uh, Diaz or Silseth? And everyone went Silseth because he was flashy. He had the pinpoint control, the, the changing of the yep. speeds. But I kind of argued the point that, hey, we saw, you know, in front of a full house 
Diaz not crap the bed and he pitched really good against Washington and then, you know, and then had a second good start. So it's like, he's, you know, he only going four and two, two thirds or one third, whatever he did. But I still think that he's pitching impressive. How many rookies have we brought up in the past? And then just, they just crap the bed right away or, you know, their confidence goes down or they have issues. Um, these guys are coming up with a mentality of I've got a better, the next guy. You know, competition's good. Uh, I want to hit my spots. They're aggressive. You know, I, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Dominic, but I think Matt Wise and uh, plays a big part of this. You know, he's he's he got he got the interim removed for a reason, right? Yeah, you know, last year was let's be real was a crapshoot year, unfortunately, with Trout going down and the plethora of injuries that the Angels had to endure. But you do see Matt Wise take the interim name off his title. And he brings that swagger, even though he's kind of a, at least in the dugout, he looks like a quiet, neat guy, does his business, goes in, goes out. He's kind of a nine to five worker, clock in, clock out. But there's so much depth that he has provided with these pitchers, not only at the big league level, but it's trickled down out of the minor league system. And it's not just the pitching that you're seeing this from. You're seeing it from the offense as well. If Trout homers, Taylor Ward's going to try to up. And if Taylor Ward does it, now Otani's going to try. Yep. So it's not just pitching. Pitching is going to be, of course, the focal point because we all should be belt, you know, buckling our seatbelts because Angels have pitching. We haven't seen this in decades now. So we should be enjoying yeah. this a little bit, which we are. Well, yeah, because that's the Absolutely. thing. Just going back last year's ERA, we were at 5.54. And now it, through the regular season right now, combined bullpen and starters, we're about at like at a 250 ERA. That's, that's incredible for this team to even think that we're one of the top best rotations in bullpen and baseball. But me and Fernando always have been saying – the last couple of years, especially, you know, we've been really hard on Paul Sorrento and Jeremy Reed, the, the hitting instructors. We feel that they're not as hands-on as a Matt Wise has. Because you could look between innings and you see Matt Wise constantly talking with a starting pitcher, constantly talking with a bullpen guy. You know, if, if a bullpen guy gets any kind of pressure on him, boom, he's out there with a catcher. You know, like it's – that's the kind of stuff and they're reviewing what they did and did not do right or wrong. That's the kind of hands-on thing we hadn't seen here in a while. So, right, Fernando, I mean, that's there's a stark difference between the hitting instructors and the pitching, in our opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I really like what I've seen out of Matt Wise, and I wasn't exactly sold on him last year. I don't think many of us Angels fans were, but, I mean, obviously, I, it's fair to say we were wrong at this point. Matt Wise seems to be doing a great job with the staff. Um, you know, even the catching is doing a great job with the yeah. staff, right? They're, they're making these guys look like all-stars. We can't underestimate the catching this year. We know Stassi is a good defensive catcher, but now you have these other guys stepping up who most people didn't even know existed. You know, obviously we knew about <laughs> Kurt Suzuki, but I mean. But Chad you Wallach know? and Austin Romine, you're sitting there saying. Exactly. Wallach? Is that how you pronounce it? Wallach? Like some people, that's what some fans yeah, are right. saying. Like, what are we doing here? But I do have a question I, I actually like to pose to both of you here. Okay. And okay. Todd, you mentioned it a minute ago about Sorrento and Reed. Mm-hmm. Is it a situation where Wise, at least on the pitching side of things, has younger pitchers that he wants to develop and they, they're receptive to the information in comparison to the offense where you have big name notable hitters? And I'm not saying Trout, Rendon, or Tawny Walsh are too big for their britches and can't mm -hmm. take advice, but I wonder, does Reed and Sorrento kind of sit back and say, it's Mike Trout, he'll figure it out. It's Otani, he'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Is it kind of that mentality? differential between the pitching and the offense potentially 
I would have to agree a bit with that because I could see where Wise can make Sandoval better and things like that. I could see where, you know, he says, okay, Otani's a future Hall of Famer or Trout's a future Hall of Famer. I don't need to help them. My problem with those two guys is they don't help the Velasquez's of the world, the Renifos of the world. Uh, guys that, you know, you see up there that they're, you know, Velasquez, in my opinion, and Fernando's seen it too, he swings at pitches head high. You know, he, if he keeps his barrel of the bat waist high and down, the guy's dangerous. His best contact has been at the, you know below the 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 um the name you know he's he's really good at that but he's been swinging uncharacteristically it seems like when guys like Otani get into funks they don't attack it right away that's just what we that's just my opinion on it I don't know if Fernando feels the same way on that yeah I mean at the end of the day there's no way to know I mean I know Mike Trout's the kind of guy who just kind of shows up plays and that's what it is I mean because he's got that talent level you know, obviously, knowing what we know, we know that's just the kind of guy Trout is. And that's no offense to him. He's the best player in baseball for that reason alone. He just has talent. But, you know, I, I'm I'm with Todd. I, I'd like to see more being done for these fringe guys, for these 4A guys. And maybe that kind of work is being done in the cage. But when they're there in the dugout and the camera pans into the dugout, you never see the hitting instructor's working or like telling him like oh hey you know your elbows falling nothing like that you never see it you just kind of see them eating sunflower seeds (laughs) (laughs) pretty much you know i'm sure they have to be earning a paycheck right i mean if not i would give joe madden the benefit of the doubt or even perry and guess that they probably would have fired them right i mean almost all of perry's moves going back to last year have led us to this moment where we are in a positive situation. I can't think of any move that Perry's ever made that was horrible to the sense where we just fell flat on our face. I can think of a couple stopgap guys that didn't work out, but legitimately, what has Perry done in his time with the Angels that's just been god-awful? There's not much that comes to mind immediately, but when we think Billy Epler, there's a lot that comes to mind immediately. Absolutely, and and I've talked about this with my group with Catella Chronicles is this off season, even though it was a lockout year, this was Perry Manassian's first real opportunity to put his imprint on this organization. He came in the year before he was strapped with Albert Pujols. He was strapped with Justin Upton and he just had to deal with the situation at hand. He made great moves. And again, 2021 did not go the way we planned it, missing the playoffs for another year in a row. But this offseason, he's made the moves. He's done what he's had to do offensively and on the pitching side of things. And now we're seeing the benefits of all his moves. And I agree. I don't really think he has made a bad move. He's made tough decisions. Albert Pujols, DFA, Justin Upton. He's had to make tough moves that seem that they could make the Angels fall flat on their face. But the Angels that are still Angels have picked up his moves and made him look like a genius. And he, for all we know, he is a genius right now. Look where the Angels are at. We're tied for first with the Houston Astros. Let's freaking go. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. another one I'll look at when you bring up Perry real quick, because I know we floundered on game one here, but uh, <laughs> Mike Lorenzen, like I really, oh yeah, you know, Fernando followed this guy's career. I didn't really know him. So like when we were talking about signing him, I'm like, who's Mike Lorenzen? And I had to look him up and I was like, okay, you know, he hasn't pitched a start for since 2015. And I was pounding the ground like, dude, why isn't Perry going out getting another Noah Syndergaard, getting another uh, pitcher that we need? 
And then seeing what, how his moxie is, just first off, the way he's built and the way he just goes out there in his mentality, he looks like a starter that has won you 17 games three years in a row. And he looks like a competitor. And you couple that with Sandoval, Otani, Noah, what he's doing, these rookies coming up. It's like, man, dude, this team has gone from having nobody scraping the bottom of the barrel to now being overfilled with pitchers and now not knowing what to do with Suarez, Canning, or Jaime. It's a, it's a wild scenario. I've always, in, in, in a little different from you, Todd, is that I've always seen Michael Lorenzen, and that's not because he's an alumni of Cal State Fullerton, and that's where I went. So I actually saw him <laughs> pitch when he was in okay. college. So I got to see him a little bit, follow him when he went to Cincinnati a little bit. So his name was a little more recognizable, at least for me. Okay. And, you know, he, he's been open about it. The Angels were willing to make me a starting pitcher, and that's where I knew I was going to thrive. He's, I, I think a little bit for him, it's, I got to prove everybody wrong. The Angels took a shot on me. They're in my corner. And I'm going to tell the other teams in major league baseball, Hey, right here, you didn't believe in me. So that's a great fire. Noah Syndergaard has that fire mm-hmm. because of everything that happened and that is had transpired and kind of in a weird way, still is transpiring with the New York Mets. And as a sidebar, not to get too off when the Mets come into town in June, you know, everybody wants to see Syndergaard versus Scherzer. We oh, know yeah. that, right? We yeah. know Absolutely, that's primetime yeah. baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a fun series, especially if both teams are as hot as they are right now. Yeah. And if DeGrom can be anywhere healthy, Otani DeGrom would be a nice starting matchup. Yeah. But Lorenzen, yeah. I, I think for you is a great transition because after, and we'll get into this, the game one mishap, Lorenzen then in turn turns it around and in game two, he slaps Oakland across the face three and four times and say, okay, we'll take a, we'll take a blowout win. Thank you very much. We'll take a split. Absolutely. That's, that's a great yeah. way to pick up a team that had a heartbreaking loss. And that's Lorenzen's way of saying, Rysel, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a nice bear hug. We love you. You're still our closer. Mm-hmm. We're going to at least walk away in Oakland with at least a split on a Saturday afternoon. And and speaking of, Oh, real quick, real quick Fernando, if you remember, uh, oh, no, I was going to say they were, uh, teammates yeah in Cincinnati yeah because you had was it uh Lorenzen when that game in Chicago where where, uh they had to pull Rossio and he almost blew the game for Lorenzen that game and uh the one thing I took out of that which is the chemistry is obviously off the chart with the cowboy hat and all this other stuff and what the bullpen does too but I love the fact that Lorenzen was going over things with Rossio and Rossio was going over things with him not even watching the last out by Tapera and they were the first to hug each other and Iglesias is like, hey, man, sorry, I almost blew your game. And Lorenzo's like, hey, no, no worries. That's team. Like, yep. like I, we haven't yep. seen that in such a long time. Where I, I don't even remember seeing it for the Angels. Since it's, not, it's not we. It's, or pardon me, it's not me. It's we. Yes. yes. That's, yeah. a, yeah. that's not a something great, we're used to. That Not someone we're used to. And it's, it's great to see. And, you know, I don't want to get on the treacherous kind of, uh, I forget, I'm blanking on the word here for a minute. But. Should we not maybe pitch Rysel in the same game as Lorenzen right now? Because I think we're seeing that trend where it's not going up. Superstitious, yeah. that's the word. I don't want to get superstitious, yeah. but the lorenzen Rysel combo might need a, like a week off just for, for good measure, you know, try to work yeah, that out. Right. <laughs> for sure. Start, it might start trending in the wrong direction for us. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just um, – this Angels team has been has been really fun to watch, and even though the game one on that Saturday did not pan out the way we wanted to, 
Jonathan Diaz continued to pitch well. 4.2 innings pitch, one hit, no earned runs, four walks. So his walks are still pretty shaky. When Todd was at the game uh, against uh, the Nationals when he pitched, it was the same thing, walked a lot of batters. But, uh, I mean, overall, man, Diaz has looked good. Four strikeouts, still has that ERA of 0.0. I mean, what more do you want out of a guy who's come up, made two spot starts for you, two very good starts? Mm-hmm. I think when he needs to, he just he goes in there uh, like what they say with Otani. When Otani gets a runner at second, he dials it up a notch. I think uh, Diaz starts yep. to just go into a different mindset with runners on on base. So I like the I like the kid's moxie, man. I I really think he could be another piece. Yeah, it seems like him and Jose Suarez are almost like the same pitcher, except Diaz is less phased than Suarez. Suarez just kind of goes out there and like pitches. But like the thing with Jose Suarez is when he's in a jam, you almost feel like he gives up. You just kind of see him out there and he always looks kind of flat. He's sitting there. He's waiting. He's looking in the dugout, waiting for, you know, old man Joe to come pull him out, give him the shepherd's hook. And, you know, like Diaz, like strikes me as a guy who like, if uh, Joe Madden came out and was like, give me the ball, he'd be angry about it. Mm-hmm. Like Noah Syndergaard gives me extreme Jared Weaver vibes. Remember like when Weaver <laughs> yes. was uh, going to get yanked by Sosha and he would just kind of look at Sosha and be like, bro, you better walk your old ass back in that dugout. It looks like, you know, like that's how Syndergaard is. And it looks like Diaz would give you the same kind of energy. I feel a little bit Suarez reminds me a little bit of Andrew Heaney where they could get the first two outs of an okay. inning. And yeah. then once you get to two outs, that third out is the hardest thing imaginable for them to get. And then if they get into trouble, they kind of look around like, well, what the heck do you want me to do? I got two outs. Um, it's three, you know, <laughs> three outs in an inning, kind of wrap it up. So Suarez and he kind of, rem- you know, are mirror each other a little bit. And it is weird because we came into the off season in the spring training saying Suarez is a lock. He pitched well last year. He's ready to roll. It was his spot to lose. Yeah. It was his spot to lose, and now you're seeing Reed Detmers with the no-no. He's, I think he now overlocked himself over Suarez. Sandoval's been legit, and now you're getting young guys coming out of double-A and triple-A now overtaking Suarez. It happens. Yeah. I think Suarez might be getting thrown here into a bullpen role, if anything. Like, I, he might just be a long reliever. You know, I, maybe he doesn't have what it takes to be a starter, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's typically how relievers come, right? You come as a starter through the minors, something happens. Maybe you just don't have the stamina. Maybe your velo starts to drop because you're throwing four or five innings and they throw you in the bullpen. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a successful reliever, but it looks like Suarez might be trending in that direction. And he's still young. I get that. I'm not giving up on him the same way. I'm not giving up on Joe Adele just yet, but it looks like he's just going to be a bullpen kind of guy if I had to say. Okay, well, game two, real quick, I have a question for both of you guys. I want to see if you agree or disagree. I said this on the post game. We're jumping into game two already? Yeah, because we were, we were. I thought we jumped off of game one already. Are we... Oh, what, what, are we talking about – we're talking about game one right now, the doubleheader. Yeah, yeah, game one of the doubleheader. Yeah. Okay. All we right. lost it. Forget about it. It's over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mulligan. Mulligan. Mulligan, anybody? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me start over. Okay. Yeah, the ball's up in the air. Cover your head so it doesn't hit you because you lost it <laughs> in the lights. <laughs> so game one Saturday <laughs> between the Angels and A's, 
Uh, you mentioned Diaz got the start. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys a question because I brought this up on the post game. I felt Inglesias blowing a save, it's bound to happen. That didn't cost us the game. I felt the offense of lineup, the lineup that Madden put out there cost us the game. In in all actuality, did he do the right thing with benching these guys? Is he babying the guys? Because I'll give you my take afterwards. Because I've, you know, what do you guys think? Did, did they could they have started the full lineup both games? For me, knowing Joe Madden and his history of managing, mm-hmm. I think we should all come to the realization that he's going to do sometimes things that we don't ex- or yeah that we don't expect him to do. Like, come on, you know, bases loaded, intentional walk to Corey Seager in Texas. Again, did anybody have that on the bingo card? No. You know, How was that that game? <laughs> you know, he, he did stuff like that. So should we expect him to give Trout an off day at least once a week, Ward and? It just kind of all lined up at one time in that sense. I don't think we should be surprised anymore about it. Would I have done that? Probably not. Now, does at least maybe one of those three guys mm-hmm. get the afternoon off and plays in, in the nightcap? Sure, why not? I think it's still early, and even though we're happy and hyped about this team right now, Joe is still going to get these guys' days off to keep them as fresh as they can be for the second half of the season. And when you have excess guys, especially in the infield with Duffy, Mayfield, uh, Renjifo before he got hurt this weekend, and Velasquez and all, all of that, you can afford a little bit to maybe take one or two of those guys out. For me, Trout wants to play every day. He should have been in that lineup. Yep. Taylor Ward, he's hot as can be. And right now, my favorite for AL MVP, I know that's a little <laughs> – it's early, but – the numbers don't lie. He probably should have been in there. I know he had the hammy, you know, kind of strain tightness, whatever, earlier in the week against Tampa. So maybe it was airing on the side of caution. And Anthony Rendon, you know, you're getting paid $250 million. Please be in the lineup. Yes. Please. So I'm kind of 50-50. I'm not surprised and I get it. But me as a loyal Angels consumer, I want the best lineup on the field 24-7, absolutely. Gotcha. What about you, Fernando? I mean, one thing I'll say is if, uh, you know, let's just say you're working like at a Taco Bell. You got a coworker who gets paid $35 an hour and he's taking two or three days off a week. You know, you'd be like, why am I over here making, you know, the minimum wage? This guy's getting a ton of money and he gets every other day off. So the reason I'm saying that is because Trout gets paid – $35.4 $35.4 million a year, and he's missing a lot of days off a week. He's missing at least a game a week. And I get it. Maybe, you know, Joe Madden wants to be a little cautious because Mike Trout's been getting hurt a lot the last couple of years, right? I mean, when was the last fully healthy year Trout had? Right, Maybe 2016. Like yeah. 2016, yeah. Because he was hurt in 17, he was hurt in 18, he was hurt in 19. 20 didn't count because it wasn't a full year. So I get it. I mean, you know, you want to protect your guy, especially because, you know, we're still early on in the year. I get that. But I mean, why does he need so much time off? Well, yeah. And my thing too, like I felt we could have won eight in a row dude, because well, I was at the Tampa game, the finale, they put out a real bad lineup in that game. The angels really don't score till they bring Ward in and he hits a two run Homer. And then the other day in game one, 
they don't do anything basically on offense till they bring Rendon and Trout off the bench. So it's like, for me, it's like, okay, you're either all in or you're not. You're going to give them the day off, put them in street clothes. Don't let them pinch hit. You know what I mean? Or, you know, but, but you're bringing them out there to pinch hit. So they got obviously to play. You should just play them. Or because a guy like Otani is not going to take a day off. He's like, dude, I want to play every day. It's not Mike Sosha days where it's like, oh, well, I'm going to hit three days. Then the day before a start, I'm taking a day off. Uh, I only pitch on my, you know, and don't hit when I pitch. I take the next day off. You know what I mean? It's not like that. He's playing every yeah. day. So I don't see why these other guys can't. And then even if you do put out a bad lineup like that, where you're hampering your offense or you're hitting, why not do small ball stuff when hit the hit against the shift, uh, you know, bunt, uh, hit and run steal bases. They seem to still be swinging for the fences sometimes in these games. And that's why they put up zeros. And they had a lot of speed in the lineup for that game one. I mean, Marsh, yeah. Renhifo, I mean, Captain Jack isn't a complete slow poke. I mean, Tyler Wade's obviously, you know, he is what he is. You know, Velasquez, Whitfield. I mean, there's some speed there. Yeah, I'm all about the small ball there. They should have at least played some 1985 baseball <laughs> if you're going to roll out a lineup like that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I do agree. I'm out of the two games this week that we saw where Joe Madden kind of played that lineup game. Mm-hmm. The The finale against Tampa pissed me off way more than the Oakland game because – you have an off day the next day. Yes. You're, you're traveling that night to Oakland yeah. and y'all are going to go out in Oakland and have lunch, tour the city and be a relaxed brotherhood of teammates. Play the damn game. And even better, it's in front of your home fans that pay to see these yeah. big boys play each and every day. Put them in the Let alone the fact that you're playing Tampa Bay. You're not playing. You know, you weren't playing Oakland. <laughs> And Tampa doesn't want to get swept. They want to win. And especially with, you know, a strong starting pitcher on the mound, go, go, go shove them off the mound, go hit the ball. You have an off day Thursday. I get the doubleheader. It makes more sense to split the lineup. The one on Wednesday against Tampa completely and utterly pissed me off more. So I agree because again, not only did you waste that game, but you wasted a great performance by Shohei. He only gave up a home run. You know, he wasn't striking out guys left and right like he did the previous two starts. One bad kept, pitch. Yeah, he, he pretty much kept you in the game the entire way. You know, even if Tapera gives up a run, that's only two runs. Your offense accordingly should score more than that if you have your full lineup out there. But it just seemed hamstrung from the beginning, and the fans could feel it. You know, I was there, and it was just like when – it was the air was out of the bag until Ward hit that homer. And then you thought, okay, we're going to win this in extra innings. And then when they got those two runs, you're like, well, there it goes. You know, like we had our chance earlier. So I'm, I'm with you. When I think about it, the raise one does bother me more. Yeah. You know, we went anything I, else about game one. I mean, we know where came in, got a blown save. I mean, you know, he can't be perfect all the time. And, you know, the one thing, if you look at that pitch, it wasn't a bad pitch. It was a slider off the plate. You just got to tip your cap to, you know, somebody having a good swing. Pretty much. I mean, those 13,000 fans got their money's worth. <laughs> at some point, you, just, <laughs> you, you know, some days you're going to win some, some days you're going to lose some, and it's a game one of a doubleheader. If we had lost game two of the doubleheader, I think it puts more emphasis on that Rysel blown save but we pick up game two. And I think this whole conversation about Joe Madden in the lineup, you're going to see that throughout, but mm-hmm. especially maybe next month when we have that double header against Seattle, mm-hmm. you're going to definitely see it again. And this will be, this could be a conversation that happens probably throughout the year, but if the angels keep winning, 
I guess it works. Yeah, it gets brushed aside. Yeah, it won't matter as much. Exactly. They, they say when he fixes everything. Because that's our that's our thing right now, as we've talked about this the last few podcasts, is that schedule for June and July looks pretty crazy. Yeah. Nothing but contenders. And so that's really going to spell where this team is at. So if they can stay relatively healthy and be playing at this kind of level or get guys better like uh, your Rendones and your Walsh, Walsh's hitting more consistently, man. I mean, it's it could be fun couple months, but it's it's definitely taking one game at a time once we finish this Oakland Texas type deal here coming those up. Those pl- those playoff mentality games in June and July, those are the days where if Joe Madden alters that lineup so much and makes it like a little league lineup, <laughs> you want to wring his neck at that point. But when you yeah. got when you're going back to back with it's the Yankees, the Phillies, the Red Sox, and then you have the Dodgers and the Mariners all back to back to back. Trout better be 100%. Everybody's got to be playing on their A game. And it's going to be fun because Angels are going to be playing some meaningful games with a meaningful record. It's not going to be like years past where we're trying to play the spoiler role Mm -hmm. and and steal a series from a good team. Yankees are no joke right now. The Phillies are slowly getting there. The Red Sox are slowly getting there. The Dodgers are no joke. And that's a crosstown rivalry that you got to take advantage of this week and next week. Oakland and Texas, Oakland and Texas. Mm -hmm. Beat them to a pulp and create some cushion when you have those bigger series. Toronto and New York right after. Exactly. Yeah. And and to bring up your point, as we're going to dip into game two, you know, I don't see the the team going on a prolonged losing streak because you have these stop gap uh, uh, pitchers, not stop gap pitchers, but guys that will stop losing streaks like Lorenzen. Like you said earlier, you brought up the fact that Lorenzen's like, hey, man, I got you. I'm going to I'm going to give us a W in game two. And I mean, that's the kind of mentality that winning teams have. And we have that. So that's why I think everyone's so pumped up right now. Yeah. And and, and sometimes you get Syndergaard and Otani in the same series like we're going to see this week against yeah. Texas on Monday and Wednesday. You're telling me two out of three games, we have an ace going on the mound when in years past, it was more two out of three rookies going out there that were inexperienced. <laughs> I'm let's see Syndergaard Otani or Cahill Harvey. Yeah. I think we all know where we're going. Julio with that. <laughs> Julio Tejeron. The meme Lord. Oh, wow. Yeah. We we've come a long way in such a short period of time. Yeah, so it's the yeah, best absolutely. if we just laugh about it at this point. And a guy yeah. and Texas is like, man, we got oh, Noah in game one. We got we got Otani in game three. Oh, and that guy that threw the no-hitter in game two. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, right. So game two for uh so game two on Saturday, we had the Vans man, Michael Lorenzen, pitch seven great innings, five hits, one run. It was earned, one walk, which is great to see, three strikeouts. And then we went up against the porn stash prince, Adam Oler. He was uh, five innings pitched, six hits, eight runs, all of them earned, three walks, three strikeouts. Yeah, Ward got us off with that grand slam. Uh, that was great. Uh, you know, that guy's just tearing Taylor it Taylor baseball, man. I'm telling you. And and he, I don't know if you guys saw his quote from earlier today. He says he feels like no pitcher can get him out right now. So, I mean, that's confidence. Yeah. That's cockiness, whatever you want to call it. But I like it. Yeah. If this, if this was a New York Yankees player saying that statement, 
the amount of love he'd be getting for it. But if it's an angels, you read the comments, how dare he, how can he, you know, he's cocky. It's like, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. We're not in, you know, black and white pinstripes, pardon us. You know, it, it, exactly. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. West coast bias over here. I think if he was said that with the Dodgers, it would have been a big thing too. Cause you compare their media with ours. It's just like night yeah. and day. Exactly. And you so happy here, I kept all my Taylor Wartstein stuff. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, future, future AL MVP. And I, I'll say this. I know we're going to keep continue on game two here. I'm just going to get on the pedestal for a hot second. Is Taylor Ward. I know it's a month and a half in and he missed the first, you know, on the IL to start the regular season. If his numbers were eligible in major league baseball right now with the plate appearances and different things, he would be first in average on base percentage, slugging, OPS, and then he's tied for 12th in home runs and tied for 19th in RBIs. He's beating Trout, he was Judge, eligible. and Stanton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was eligible, then like missed a couple of games and then got uneligible again. But I think he should be there again if he plays this entire series against the Rangers. He should be eligible again. I, I just like the fact that he's the epitome of a player who's AKA found it or realized it or got it. You know, it's finally sunken in and uh, he looks his approach. Cause to me, Adele had his approach from last year, you know, he was swinging at outside pitches, not really plate discipline. Um, now it seems like he's waiting for the pitcher to find his, his happy zone and he's just attacking it. And if, and if they don't give him what he wants, he'll just go the other way. Uh, I mean, he's spraying the ball, like Gooby said, all over the field. And that's something that only the good ones do. And you know what? If, you know, knock on wood, if this is the dude that he's going to become, the Angels found themselves another uh, diamond in the rough. Yeah. I mean, Taylor Ward was the epitome of a 4A player. He was a 4A guy who you kept around because you had that hope that he was going to do something for you. He was Billy Epler's first draft pick as a general manager. And, you know, we just kept waiting around and waiting around. And we always kept saying, man, we should DFA this guy. This is the guy who a year ago, grill master would have been all over like flies on shit. He would have been like DFA this guy, DFA this guy, DFA this clown. Yet now we're sitting here talking about a guy who's flirting with 400. Yeah. A guy who is at this rate going to definitely be an all-star. And at this rate, if he continues to hit, we're talking about a guy that most baseball fans haven't even heard of getting some MVP votes. Yes, it's early. It's a month and a half in. I get it. But if this was a 60-game season, the season would almost be over. He'd be a shoe-in for an MVP award. Mickey Mouse award or not. Exactly. Yeah. Fully, uh, w- fully on board on that one. Again, it's only a month and a half, but at the same time, he's kept this up for a month and a half. This isn't uh, a week or two span. This is a full month and a half, and it doesn't look like there's any pumping of the brakes right now with his comment today that he made and now multiple grand slams. His contact rate is high right now. He nearly almost hit for the cycle. What else on the bingo card has he not done yet he had a pinch hit home run on wednesday so the pinch hit home runs off the market mm-hmm. he does hasn't he, robbed a homer yet this year he hasn't robbed a homer <laughs> and does he need to pitch an inning does he need to go back to catcher for <laughs> yeah. an inning? like there you put go that on the bingo card now 
I mean, playing it, him being a catcher wouldn't be super impressive, right? I mean, that's what he was drafted as. So <laughs> it's just a I think he caught hard. last year for a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I think he did, but it wasn't uh, like last year. He caught like an inning or two, I think, like yeah. an emergency. He did yeah. it mostly in spring training. But the funny yeah. thing is, Taylor Ward was not on the, you know, like if you see that they, I keep seeing in the Salt Lake Bees, he was actually doing stuff for them because, you know, he figured to be on their roster for most of the, the year or for a good chunk of it. He was, you know, showing off the jerseys for the website. And, you know, when we had Upton and, and the, the big question was, okay, are we going to platoon Marsh and Adele? Which one's going to go down? Now that the way it's played out, Upton gone, Adele played himself off the roster. Marsh is a shoe in in the, either left or right. Then you got Ward now tearing it up. I mean, the outfield's pretty much set with Ward, Walsh, and Trout. Oh, you, yeah, Marsh, yeah, Marsh, not Walsh, right? I mean, Marsh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marshy, Walshy, it's all the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I can make <laughs> those good. It, 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 I think by Ward finding great success so far this year, it does put a hamper in the plans, and we've already seen it for Joe Adele now that he's back at triple a salt lake he's hitting the ball great defensively he's still got things to work on and this is probably oh, dude, his defense is still horrible down there have you seen those twitter highlights it's not great you know it's not <laughs> you know i'm trying to be nice to the kid but it's not great you know he's made maybe it's almost like every one good play there's 10 bad ones and this could be a conversation and a topic for another day but i've had you know us at catella chronicles we've had this conversation and it's something that we're going to be putting out once our website launches on may 19th is one of our first articles is going to be either the top five reasons why adele should or should not be traded Mm -hmm. and on initial impact right now today was the trade deadline and he's tearing it up at triple a and even though his defense is sketchy if you can bring in some caliber player that fits a need for the angels like another ace pitcher and you could send a package of adele suarez and a prospect for an ace are you willing to do that right now with the strengths of Ward, Trout, Marsh in the outfield, and then you can find a fourth outfielder later? Is it is it a real hey, conversation give, we can have? Give me a name. Who who are you thinking? Are we talking to Luis Castillo with the Reds? Because I mean, even him with this injury this year, I'd say no. You know, I think Castillo's on the minds of a lot of people. I'd have to look at the market right now to see who's who's on a contract year that could be maybe a one year rental or even maybe two-year rental it's hard to say it, what I, about I, what about I, molly from the reds yeah i'm not against trading joe adele i'll say it's that got to be worth something okay exactly i'm not going to give up joe adele jose suarez and potentially another prospect for a rental even a two-year guy a year and a half of somebody i mean unless we're talking about like a max scherzer for a year and a half you know yeah. it's got to take an awful lot for me to pull the trigger on that deal yeah. i'm not opposed to trading joe Adele. i will trade almost everybody in my lineup the same way that i don't use the term forever house when it comes to buying a house i will sell my house to somebody who gives me the right amount of money i'll sell mike trout if somebody gives okay i probably wouldn't do that <laughs> but you know what i mean every in the words of ted dibiase everybody has a price so I'm not opposed 
to trading Joe Adele if it makes the Angels better, and especially if it's going to make the Angels better for the next two or three years. Because I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The Angels have a three-year window here because Trout's only going to get older. Rendon is going to only get older. and We've yet to see a peak Rendon in an Angels uniform. Otani might not be here past next year. So the Angels have a very, very small window here of three years. If you can trade some guys to make that window a little a little more open maybe to five years great that's what we want to do and it looks like we might be getting that with guys like ward sandoval maybe suarez jonathan diaz if those guys step up well that's going to open up your window a little longer yep yeah it's it's a very tough concept i think to grapple with right now because i think we're still in the mode of we know joe adele has the pure talent we know what he can do and we know there's some things he needs to work on but we know the ability that he has with the bat in his hand he can hit moonshots every which way possible that's fantastic it's refining that that's the key and i'm just scared that we have a 4a player on our hands and he's going to be he's he's the our good brandon old wood. friend he's our good old friend brandon wood or dallas mcpherson <laughs> i knew he was going to say that <laughs> you know that's my only concern it's like i'd rather trade somebody before we realize he's everybody realizes he's a 4a player and you get something in return and i and i agree with you fernando you don't want a rental that that would no, be i think the worst thing. yet and not not yet and watch knowing our luck he'll go somewhere else and be an all-star caliber player and we'll just sit there and say why couldn't you do that with us <laughs> yeah we've yeah. seen it That's other times yeah Exactly. So, I mean, here's the thing, you know, growing up in San Diego, I, I always used to hear on the sports talk radio, my daddy used to listen to mighty 1090 all the time. All you ever heard for years on Padres radio was, Oh, hot talent, lava, hot talent, lava. All these young guys are going to come up and produce as of right now, the Padres are sitting on a bed of shit. Okay. They've done nothing. They haven't been productive. They made a Mickey mouse playoff year and that's all they've done. You know, you kept hearing for, what, six or seven years down there, hey, we're going to have these guys come up, pan pan out, and we're going to be a playoff caliber team. Maybe this year they're going to finally get to those days, but I don't want to sit here for 12 years waiting for these guys that are getting drafted to be productive. I understand that we, you know, we're trying to, you know, contend for years to come, but as I said, as of right now, we only have these three years. I'm not going to trade the farm to get better, but if I can trade a guy like Joe Adele to make this team really good for, you know, for the next two or three years, I'm going to do it. Like if the Marlins want to give us uh, what's his name? Is it Tyler Rogers for Joe Adele? I'm super in on that. I know they're not going to take that trade hmm. or maybe Kelly from the diamondbacks. Uh, what's his name? Merrill Kelly. I'd maybe consider something like that. And if I'm getting, you know, another piece, sure. But, you know, time will tell. As of right now, Joe Adele, since going down to AAA and 31 at-bats, he's batting 355 with five home runs, 10 RBIs, and a stolen base. Screams 4A to me for sure. Mm. Yeah. I, the days of the 4A players coming through this organization – you know, I really want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I could easily see him going to Colorado, to Cincinnati, something like that. And then we're like, damn, this guy was on our team one year. And then the next year, you know, he's he's batting for Colorado in the All-Star game with 34 home runs or something. 
And, uh, you know, hey, that's, I'll feel that's, a lot better though, holding a new world series ring. Well, there you go. Yeah. Or yeah. at least going to the <laughs> season winning solves everything. That's all. That's, is that the, is that going to be the name of this episode? Winning solves everything. Cause I feel that's the central theme so far. <laughs> I think so. I think yeah, so. Right. <laughs> And speaking of winning, we won that game, right? The game three. <laughs> yes. I was, I was going to make the, uh, what's it called? A trough torture and then put a photo of the troughs at uh, the Coliseum. <laughs> that was going to be the thumbnail. Oh my God. Maybe trough torture would be a good one. But uh, yeah, yeah. The Angels won nine to one. Like you said, Taylor Ward was, uh, would you give him the golden Stamos that day? Oh, they had the gold. And three at bats, two runs, three hits, five RBIs, was walked twice and at the end of that game his batting average was sitting at a pristine 384 yeah i mean the guy just does it all and he got it off to a good start and the rest of the team just responded uh got some hits kept putting the pressure on and oakland uh looked like oakland between uh you know what we expected what that what they were going to do in this series you know like they weren't going to score many runs and if we had to, you know, skirt out some, uh, you know, the nightcap was different, obviously, but the day games, you had to work for your runs against them, unfortunately. Yeah, there, there is one thing about that second game, I think that a lot of people have talked about, and I know for sure, we haven't actually really mentioned him tonight so far. And I know if you didn't see social media today, Michelle Tafoya would love this topic here. Shohei Otani hits home run number 100. And then to yeah. add into today's game, he goes doubles down and goes 101. So Shohei Otani finding a little power stroke in his bat again. I think that's a nice positive sign in the middle of that order. Absolutely. Yeah, we we, we talk too much Otani, apparently. So. <laughs> and even, even if Otani doesn't have a Twitter handle, we're just going to pick some Twitter handle that has Otani on it. It works the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. She's the worst. <laughs> but, but Ota- you, guys, you guys talk too much about Otani. So, so this segment of the show, Michelle Tafoya, if you're listening, this is for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've been mean, telling you, Otani, when when he's on, you know, like he he can hit the ball all over the field, left center field, center field. I think that's when he's his true swing is there. But uh, he can also turn on a pitch and and crush it to right field. But it's just awesome to see him hit it to the deepest part of that field. And almost effortlessly and uh you know his back gets going like you know it's starting to get going his average goes up it's going to be even more dangerous i mean the first five if they're all clicking in this lineup and all in there is very scary for any opponent to look at and whatever you get out of the bottom four is gravy yeah 100 i mean when you're six is what marsh also (laughs) that that tells you a lot also but it's great, too, when you have guys from six and below, Marsh, Velasquez, Wade, Fletcher, when he's better and healthy. You have table setters at the bottom of the order. So later in the game, when that lineup flips, you pretty much have table setters all around that lineup. It's just not in that number one leadoff spot. So the Angels lineup becomes very balanced mm-hmm. when those five guys are all on at the same time. Is it going to happen, you know, 365 days a year? No, but even if three of those guys are on, it's still a very, very tough lineup to go through as an opposing pitcher. Absolutely. Let me ask you this, Dominic. Um, okay. With 
does it bother you? Because I've had this conversation with Todd already. Does it bother you that Velasquez couldn't hit water if he fell off a boat? Or does his defense make up for it? Definitely the defense makes up for it. I think he has the ability not to be a 300, you know, batting average type player. But if he zones in a little bit and focuses just on pitches in the zone and stops swinging away at the, the golf swings and the stuff outside the zone, which any player, of course, would say, we want that in our career. We don't want to be, you know, fishing at junk. He can be that slap happy hitter, get a single, go steal a base and be what Joe Madden, be that table setter for Taylor Ward to come up next at bat and knock a two run home run trout to hit a three run homer to be that he doesn't have to be the 300 hitter we need him to be. If this was last year and we didn't have Trout, Rendon, and everybody else, then sure. But I think the defense absolutely makes up for the some of the inabilities hitting-wise. And truthfully, during spring training, I thought he was going to be a Salt Lake B all season long. You probably weren't going to see much of him unless there was a number of injuries to this lineup. And when Fletcher came up and as soon as he made about, I'd say maybe three or four terrific web gem type plays. I said, Joe Madden's in, in love. He, he, he's not going anywhere, regardless if he bats 150 or 400, that kid's going to see the lineup each and every day. So I will say, yes, his defense does make up for it, but he can slap the ball. And we saw it, you know, Friday night, he did get one little clean lick in Oakland. So that, that's a nice little positive trend for him. And I do like the Simmons cop. Oh yeah. Yes. And in a way it's, this is now, this is going to be maybe a hot take for some people and it's in a very small scope. I think Velasquez in some ways may be even a little bit better than Simmons. And I'll say it, it with this remark. Simmons was a very rangy player. He could run and then do the big jumping toss. Velasquez has hops. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, he's kind of that shorter, stoutier kind of quick kind of quick so they're both a little bit of the same but just you know same answer different equation to get there but I think if you if Velasquez had a full season at shortstop and he was never pulled I think he could be just as good if not better than Simmons and I think that's a big comp to him and that could be a hot take you tell me I I think it is because I think the way he ranges out and saves runs in those short shallow fly balls between the outfield and the infield is is worth its money right there too. The double play uh, combinations, the way he stops balls uh, from going getting up the middle. Uh, the guy's a fantastic player. We'd love for him to hit two forty, at least two fifty. Will he get there? I think he will. Uh, he's a switch hitter. Um, I do think he's better. I think he's basically what Inglesius was supposed to be last year, and and you know like making all these spectacular plays, no errors. Um, he's got a good rapport uh, with the, with the rest of the guys, and boy, I'm telling you, if he if he gets it going, man, I mean, that's only going to make this lineup even scarier with him being the table setter, like you said at the bottom of the lineup. If he's flipping it for those guys you're talking about, he's going to get a lot of runs scored. Yeah, absolutely. And you even have guys that Matt Duffy, who's yeah. been IL'd right now, and he just came back in Game Two of the doubleheader. Before he was on the IL for the non-injury related, which I believe was quote unquote COVID, if mm-hmm. you know sources confirm or not, he was swinging a hot stick as well, batting yeah. through you know three something for a long period of time. He's down in the two sixties now, but he's a table setter, a veteran table setter at the bottom of the order, 
So even with David Fletcher out and not hitting to the ability we know David Fletcher can, there's a lot of opportunity there, and the Angels aren't skipping a beat, and it's good to see. Absolutely. So with that W, Fernando, that led us up to today's game. Yeah, so game four, uh, the Sandy man can and did 6.1 innings pitch, four hits, one run. It was earned, four walks, four strikeouts, no home runs were given up. He now has a horrible ERA of 1.91. How dare you, Patrick Sandoval? <laughs> no, man, Patrick Sandoval is just a, just a god at this point. He went up against Frankie Montas, who's a lot of people, who's a guy who a lot of people want to see in an Angels uniform. I've seen his name thrown around by a bunch of people on Angels Twitter saying, hey, you know, the Angels should get out, go after him. Uh, six innings pitched, four hits, two runs. They were both earned, one walk, 12 strikeouts. So he did mow through the lineup uh, with those strikeouts, gave up a home run, and has an ERA of 3.67 after today. Uh, well, it was it was one of those games where Sandy wasn't going to get the freaking run support, but uh, he kept us in the game. He got into a few jams, but at 2-1, to one, he was a lockdown pitcher. Uh, you know, he outdueled uh, Montez in a way. Uh, and then the hitting did its job for the most part. My question to both of you guys is, again, we had an, uh, basically, you know, you had Inglesias pitch game one of Saturday, and you, you kind of went through the bullpens a little bit on, on Saturday. I get that. But what was your impressions of just saying, hey, Herget, fin- get the last eight outs? I absolutely love Jimmy Herget. And I know last year he did great stuff last year with, again, a sub, a sub roster in 2021. Mm-hmm. Spring training was pretty good, and I knew – that Frisbee little flick pitch, whatever you want to call it on any day, is something that Joe Madden's going to attract himself to. It's something different. It's not the same arm angle as every other pitcher on the roster. So Herget to get the ball and go, let me look here, two and two-thirds innings, no runs, one hit. His ERA drops to 3.32. And looking at his full body of work so far this year, and this will include the three-inning start against the White Sox a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He's gone 14 games. Six of those 14 games have been multi-inning performances, so 1.1 and 1.1 plus. So he's shown that he's got longevity in the arm, especially on days like today where the bullpen is maybe a little taxed yesterday due to a doubleheader. There's no off day until Thursday. You're traveling tonight to Texas, which the Angels always somehow score a lot of runs, and even when – Good pitches are on the mound. They give away a lot of runs. Mm-hmm. So the bullpen should be fresh. Rysel had that tricky day on Saturday. Let him have a breather day. Jimmy Herget, is he the MVP of our bullpen right now? It's maybe. Good, it, maybe. It's a real, you know, it's a real good option to have. I, I don't see a problem with it. I love Jimmy Herget. Okay. Fernando? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. He's a lot of fun to watch. I like how gritty he looks. He just looks like an old school pitcher that you would have, you know, maybe your dad would have told you some stories about. But um, yeah, he's just fun to see out of the bullpen. You know, he, you can get so much out of him. You can get three innings to start a game. You could get a save. You know, there's almost nowhere where you can put him. And I'm not exactly going to say that when they put him in there that I don't worry. You know, I don't, he's not the best pitcher we have as a starter he's not the best pitcher we have as a long reliever as a closer you name it but you could put jimmy herget in there and you'll at least know that he's not going to give away the game he will go out there he will try he'll have a he'll try to have a good outing he very 
he hardly ever gets beat by bad pitches. You know, he's not walking and he's not beating himself. Okay, quick take for both of you guys. Agree or disagree? Is he Scott Shields minus the fastball? <laughs> it's not a bad comp. It's not the worst comp I've ever heard to anything. No, I'd say not a bad comp. I'd say with a little more time. I, sure, why not? Okay. I think the the one comp I gave him, and I, I, I wrote this down, and, you know, not to compare him, I'm just going to say this comparison based on knowing Joe Madden's mind and how he likes to utilize favorite pitchers. Mm-hmm. it, and this could be a prediction forward thinking, and we can go back to this at the end of the year. Jimmy Herget will be the most used pitcher out of this bullpen, just like Steve Ciszek was oh. last year. But he's going to pitch. Okay. He's going to pitch better than Steve Ciszek, clearly, and he's already proven that. Just based on appearances, he'll be the Steve Ciszek of 2022 Angels. Okay, I I could see that because you know he was a favorite of of Madden's, and I think Herget out of nowhere is turning into a favorite of of Madden's as well. So. Don't tell me Joe Madden doesn't have a little soft spot for Herger with the glasses. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, Maybe, I, yeah. come on. That's it, It's just that old school type pitcher, that feel with the high sock look. Yeah, just yeah. That, the Frisbee slider curve junk pitch that he throws. He's yeah. got it all. He's the cool cat. Yeah, because probably Joe's like, you like uh, Buddy Holly, right? And Herger's like, yeah, she's great. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, but Sandoval, a terrific outing. Herget, a, a great outing. I think this is something that the Angels don't normally have in years past. Normally, it's after the starter, there'd be at least three or four guys, and they'd be maxed out at one inning. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of the time this year, even if the starter only goes five and a third, six and a third, you'll bring in one bullpen guy that finishes the game, and the rest of the bullpen can relax for the next day. So it's good to see some versatility on both sides of the ball in that sense. How good is it to see that the Angels actually have pitching? You know, pitching that nobody saw coming, but it's been very effective. They've gotten the job done. They've been taking the lead by storm. 11 games over 500 this early in the season. I mean, and and a lot of that has to do with the pitching. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the pitching. The hitting's done its job too at times. But where they've slacked off, the pitching's been right there. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed. I'm super excited. Uh, but I'm taking this one game at a time as we move forward. But uh, but I I love what I'm seeing. I mean, just the overall turnover of the roster that we witnessed in 2021 to now is incredible. I I'm blown away. So, Angels win made this tweet and uh you know you guys at catella chronicles retweeted it uh, so they put ladies and gents the angels starting pitchers patrick sandoval 2.03 era five game starting noah Syndergaard, 2.45 era five game starting sherry otani 2.78 six game starting michael lorenzen 3.57 era six game starting your weakest link is reed detmer's at 3.77. Oh, he just threw a no-hitter. Yeah. Jonathan Diaz, 0.0. And then Silseth, who just made his MLB debut, 0.0. You have those great numbers. And like Todd, you just kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, this is 
freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at how you comp that to the rest of Major League Baseball, the Angels are fourth in ERA at 3.17, in whip, which is second in Major League Baseball behind the Dodgers. And then they're first in Major League Baseball in a opposing average at 207. Where was this last year? <laughs> Not where was this last year, but like you said, how quick this turnaround is. This isn't your prototypical rebo- uh, rebuild and retooling. Yeah. This is a Perry just, he rubbed the lamp, got the genie. This was his <laughs> first wish. And we're going to see what his next two wishes are. This is, I, I think the one word is to supplement this, fantastic yeah that's all it is it's fantastic teams that do rebuilds or have to restructure with a new gm this would take three to five years you know look at depoto up in seattle and he still hasn't corrected it right but he was on the right track but perry just walks in here and is like okay we're gonna do this this and that and it's gonna work and it worked like you said he rubbed the genie lamp and boom there you go if i if i get to ask perry one question i definitely want to ask him all right, so you knew Billy up and his guys were about to start panning out, didn't you? That's what I want to ask him. Like, come on, when you took this job, man, you knew that Billy Upper's team was like about to start competing, huh? Like, you, you knew we were like a year or two off. That I think he'd be like, yeah, I did. You know what I mean? Like, because if you look up and down the roster, I mean, this guy, this is Billy Upper's fingerprints all over it. And that's why I think it circles back to what I said earlier 2021. He couldn't put his true imprints on this organization. Too much money was tied up in big name players. And he kind of got in a couple months after the season had ended. So he didn't have that full, you know, I know it was a full, well, I don't know, it was the COVID season. So you couldn't get really get a full look at what this team was about. Mm-hmm. He got to see what the team was about last year. He knew what to address, and it started last year with the draft. 20 pitchers, 19 from college, one from high school. I don't know how many times we're going to have to reiterate that. We've been calling for pitching for years, and if anybody had one single negative comment about Perry Manassian after that draft, uh, pardon me, draft, take your stuff and hit the road, go on another team's bandwagon, because he addressed it head on for the future. And the national media actually laughed at him when we drafted all those pitchers. They're like, isn't this, is this the Angels going a little overboard? Yeah, we know they need pitching, but do they really need that much pitching? And, you know, some of our Angel fans, like you said, laughed at us too. They were like, hey, man, you know, I don't know about this guy. But apparently yeah. he knows what he's doing. We started getting a lot of the this guy doesn't want to win kind of thing. Or was yeah. this an already move? I think <laughs> this was an already move. No general manager would have done that. But again, if this was the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, they'd be kissing Perry's feet, feeding him grapes, fanning him off in the Southern California sun, baby. Well, that's what what was my big uh, complaint was on opening day. You know, I'm walking by the booth and I see Roger just kissing Artie's ass. And he's like, so how'd you uh, do the... uh signing of these pitchers was Noah your idea it's like no it wasn't his idea and Artie's just there just soaking it in saying okay Artie's all my yeah 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 Roger love. Lodge we Noah. we may love him on AM 830 but he knows who signs his paycheck oh he does he does yeah, yeah. and but, I think what are you gonna do John Stamos <laughs> John Stamos signs my paycheck with his love I love that guy in full house <laughs> oh Johnny 
but I'm telling you, like, he's. I think he's only had Perry on one time in the off season, and they haven't had him in yeah. the booth. But I guarantee you, the Angels keep winning. You're going to see Artie magically back in the booth and in his uh, luxury box because he's disappeared the last few years. But Perry, I, the Avatar. Perry, if if he has to stay behind the scenes, he doesn't like the limelight. I'm totally cool with that because whatever he's yeah. doing, it's working. He is dedicated, Absolutely. though. I've been I've been to a numerous amount of Angel games so far this year, and so far every Angel home game, he's in his booth. If it's with his kids, with family, or with anybody else, or even by himself, he is dedicated there every game. And you know him. He's doing his analytic work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he is dedicated to this team. And his dedication is now oozing into the clubhouse, which is oozing onto the field, which is oozing in to a tied-for-first-place team with the Houston Astros. Which is it's not a- what we expected. Not what we expected, but is it? Are we taking it? Yes, and is it a recipe for success moving forward? Yes. And again, if he stays behind the scenes, Perry, you do you, boo boo. Exactly. You do you, <laughs> yes. you, you boo boo. You do you, boo boo. I love you. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, but and, and coupling so, that, oh, go ahead, Fernando. No, no, I thought we were going to wrap uh, wrap to the yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Ranger series. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I, I was going to say, so um, now we got the Rangers series to look forward to. You guys already said who the Angels ha- are sending out there. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow for game one, or I guess today, by the time you guys hear this, Noah Syndergaard is going up against John Gray. Noah is 3-1 and one with the 2.45 ERA, 21 strikeouts. John Gray, who was the big acquisition for Texas, 0-1, 5.51 ERA, 15 strikeouts. John Gray was a guy I want to see in an Angels jersey. At this point, I'm pretty happy that he hasn't been because this stuff's look flat super flat uh reed demers is going on tuesday for game two two and one 3.77 era and 20 strikeouts and of course he is coming fresh off of a no hitter taylor hearn is going for the texas rangers for game two two and two 5.26 era 29 strikeouts so uh his strikeout numbers are pretty impressive Shohei Otani will be ending the series for the Angels, three and two with the 2.78 ERA and 46 strikeouts. Thanks in large part to his last two outings, he has gotten those K numbers up against Dane Dunning, one and two with the 4.06 ERA with an also respectable 37 strikeouts. All right, do the Angels win this series? Dominic, we'll start with you. Yeah, absolutely. They take the series. Okay. I would love a sweep. You always want to win your series. So I'm going to say Angels take two out of three just to err on the side of caution. My two predictions I'll say for this three-game series in Texas, the Cindergard and Otani will each toss a quality outing, so six innings and less than three runs allowed. And in whichever way, shape, or form, it doesn't have to be in one game, but throughout the series, Trout, Otani, Walsh, and Ward will each pick up at least one home run in this series. Yikes. John Gray right. is going tomorrow. That pit, his fastball is so <laughs> flat. And Trout had a cold series in Oakland, and he loves batting in Texas. I might even say two home runs for Trout in three days. Okay. Uh, my predictions on this one, I'd like a sweep. I'm feeling a sweep. I just don't like saying a sweep. Uh, I, I, I may – Chalk this one up to uh, Detmers, uh, you know, getting a little too happy and getting back in, out of his uh, basics and maybe, you know, an error or two cost the Angels 
uh, that win in between. I, I like Noah and Otani to get the Ws. I'm hoping Detmers can get the W. My hot take on this one would be Wallach breaking out of a little bit of a slump he's been in because the last few games he's called as a catcher have been fantastic. The no-hitter, the shutout, one-run games here and there. He's been great behind the plate calling games. I think his bat's going to really hit uh, uh, hit the stands. I th- I'm calling for him to hit a home run in this series, and I like Velasquez to be at the end of the series batting over 200. All right. I'm in a good mood. Angels sweep in the series. They score over 20 combined runs throughout three games. All right. So it's going to be an offense heavy. I I don't think our pitching is going to be totally in on it. I think the pitching will give up a lot of runs, but I do think the Angels pull off a sweep. And I think their offense is going to carry them to these wins. Yeah. I think the only two things I can see is that maybe are off base is Otani has pitched against Texas a lot in his career thus far. So they've seen him a, a, a numerous amount of times. So he might get taxed a little more than we're expecting. I know he's coming off back-to-back starts where he's just been lights out spectacular. So that could be maybe the one shift. And with Todd Chad Wallach take does do at some point, Chad Wallach says, I'm taking over Kurt Suzuki's backup role and Kurt Suzuki at any point gets DFA'd or do the angels stick with Kurt and they're happy with him. Uh, I think Fernando has a strong take on this one. <laughs> Am I opening I Pandora's to, box? I, no, I just want them to DFA Kurt Suzuki. I don't like the attitude <laughs> he brings. I just don't. I mean, that's my inner grill master maybe, but um, man, I like what Wally brings. He's a local kid. The local guys seem to be, at least bringing some good energy to us, right? I mean, we see it with Lorenzo, we've seen it with Patty, Patty S, you know, and even Rojas when he's up here, I mean, at least he's always trying, um, you know, Fletcher being Fletcher and, you know, people forget Canning's a local kid too, right? Yeah. yeah. When, you know, yeah, when the two days a year that he's healthy. So um, it's just, yeah, I, I like Wallach. I, I like the game he calls. I think it provides better defense than Kurt Suzuki does. And at the end of the day, a catcher is all about defense, in my opinion. I don't care if you can't hit your weight if you're a catcher. As long as you give me a chance to win a game behind the dish and you call a good game for my pitchers, that's all I care about. And Wallach has a really good glove back there and a good arm. Yeah, and he's he's actually threatened to throw a couple guys out at first with snap throws. Uh, and you notice since Kurt's gone on the IL that there hasn't been any throws into the outfield. So that's a plus. Uh, I, I really Suzuki power up. Yeah. I really feel in Pokemon. I know he's a Cal state Fullerton alum and we have three catchers on, on the team that are like that, but I think Kurt's one, we got a, a cut right now. I, I would be totally cool if we had Romine as the number three in the minors and you have rolling with Stassi and, and Wallach at this point. Yeah. Stassi's not going anywhere. You know, he signed that three year, you know, contract. So Stassi's the main yep. guy. Yeah. Um. Definitely, we know for sure. Wallet could be definitely a backup role next year. Absolutely. And I know that's really forward thinking because we're just in May right now. But if it gets to the point where Wallet is completely outperforming Kurt Suzuki, and this is a mini audition, you could definitely see that maybe even in June or July, if Kurt Suzuki hits a hit hits a very bad stumble point, big slump. So it's a good audition phase to have. I, I I'm all for it. And defense in a lot of ways, wins you championships and wins you games. And Wallach has done a great job of doing that and calling games. Come on. 
what was that? It was the Detmers no hitter, what, his second game catching? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good luck. Luck is on his side. Yeah, because if you look at yeah. his resume so far as a, as a starter or a player in the ma- major leagues, the most games he's ever played is 23. So he's usually a September call-up like he was with Miami. Um, doesn't get too much playing time. Uh, so this is the earliest he's ever been up in the majors. So he's getting his, like you said, true audition. And if his bat comes around, because we've seen it, he's made solid contact, been robbed a few times. His average could be higher. Um, so I'd like to for him to take a little bit more walks, but that's just me critiquing him. I think him and Stassi together would be a great combination. Uh, you, you wouldn't feel a drop-off as you do when Stassi decides or they decide to give him a day off when you put Suzuki in the lineup. You don't have to necessarily uh, DFA Kurt Suzuki either. I mean, there is such a demand for catching. You could probably trade him for something. Yeah. A veteran catcher who's been on some quality teams in years past. No one might say no to that situation if a team really needs a catcher. You know, like if the Angels were in a situation where Stassi and Suzuki would, were hurt mm-hmm. and they needed to trade for somebody, like if this was trade deadline time and Suzuki would be somebody. I get any other team that needs to do that. So the, the when you're winning, the situations are limitless. Mm-hmm. And I think having a plethora of catchers is a good problem to have amongst a lot of other things with the Angels right now. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, Angels have some depth they haven't had in a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the name you brought up earlier that a lot of people liked in the minors was Stefanik. And you really can't see a place for him because of the names you named already. When Fletcher gets back, you got Duffy, you got Captain Jack, you got Velasquez, uh, Wade. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, they, they've got depth, man. You know, talk, talking to Michael Stefanik uh, when we were previously Halo's Heaven, he has such a good head on his shoulders and such a he's a pro's pro at such a young age and I'm, I'm at the point in my sports industry career where I'm starting to talk to players and interview players that are younger than me so it makes me feel old each and every day but Stefanik is a young kid mid-20s he can hit the ball yes his defense needs to be worked on but he can be somebody seriously down the line that can be a part of this Angels infield and it's scary to think but Yes, he can't play right now because we have Mayfield and Wade and Velasquez, and the depth just grows with the Angels, and it sucks for him. But as an organization, it's a great problem to have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he might end up being a trade chip, but you know, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll see. We, we really will see. But it's good to have a situation here where we have guys producing at the minor league level who have the opportunity to come up to the majors, have an impact, but can't because there's other guys at the major league level already having an impact. So. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to make for an interesting decision making time come trade deadline. Who do you add? Who do you're going to part ways with? Um, you know, you've got names now, so it's, it's going to be exciting. So, Fernando, um, what else do we have left? We've already previewed the Texas series and everything else like that. I think we're just about here at the end, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Make sure to uh, check us out on all our forms of social media. As Todd says, uh, you know, leave us a review. Let us know what you want us to fix. Let us know what we're doing right. Make sure to check out the pre- and post-game shows, once again, on all of our social media platforms. If it's a social media outlet, we're probably on it. Um, and then make sure to check out Catella Chronicles. But uh, 
Oh, uh, I, I won't talk much about Godzilla Chronicles. I'll, I'll let the man, the myth, the legend. You know, it, you know, first and foremost, it's great to be here with you guys. And this has been a, such an entertaining, what, hour plus of podcasting that we're able to do and just talk Angels baseball with such, so much success going on with the team right now. But yes, Catano Chronicles, uh, we will be launching our site this Thursday, May the 19th. And that URL is going to be catellachronicles.wordpress.com. That's where you can check out all our articles, uh, game recaps, uh, commentary, opinions. Uh, our podcast will also be going live on that day as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Catella underscore Cron. Uh, that's C-H-R-O-N because Chronicles could not fit on the Twitter um, minimum maximum character <laughs> space for your Fix it, your Elon. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk better fix it. But yes, it's at Catella uh, underscore Cron is our Twitter handle. So check us out there. Um, but super excited to be working with you guys or partnership with you guys, just talking angels baseball and, and sharing a little content here and there for the viewers. Yeah. We'll put uh, links to that stuff when they go live on Thursday. So whenever you guys have podcasts for the first couple of shows, we'll gladly uh, plug you guys on our story and all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll probably be cross-referencing some of their blogs. So head on over to halos and the infield.com as well. Whenever they post a blog up, We'll have links and all that. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we're definitely going to have a, a two-way street going on here for quite a while, help them get off their feet. Uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm sure I speak on behalf of Todd as well. Uh, we had a good time, fun time talking Angels baseball. Um, and hopefully you can teach us a little bit about some Ducks hockey when the time comes. And I know we got our Ducks guy, JT, so I'm sure he'll love to come on and talk Ducks as well. Of course. And as always, the invitation for you guys to come on to the Catella Chronicles, regardless if it's Angels or once we get to Ducks time, you guys are always welcome on the show and right. bring your fan base in there as well. If it's Twitter, Instagram, your website, however it rolls. Uh, good news is always good news. So come on down and uh, we love to have you guys. And thanks again for tonight. It's been awesome. Awesome. So I'll that's... call dibs when the Coyotes are playing the Ducks. I'm a Coyotes fan. <laughs> so. I'll okay. talk coyotes with you. Okay, we'll pencil that in on the schedule when it comes out this summer. Let's roll. <laughs> all, right, all right, there we go. Yeah, we'd love to be a part of the only coyotes fans out there. <laughs> yeah, right. The one that actually claims it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah we'll yeah, uh, we'll right. definitely be on the show. Uh, and um, we enjoy uh, we enjoyed the podcast, and hopefully we can work together here soon on some more stuff. And uh, so this has been Halos in the Infield talking Angels baseball. It's good to be eleven games up, and uh, let's see what happens in Texas. Take care, everybody. <laughs>